Hello and welcome back to the Balanced Garden Podcast. I'm Tiger Lily and if you haven't tuned in until now, the idea of this podcast is to bridge the worlds inside and outside. It explores seasonal cycles, philosophy, psychology, culture and creativity in order to cultivate healthy relationships with ourselves, each other, nature and all the spaces in between. The podcast is brought to you by me through Balanced Garden, an online well-living space which offers reflections, recipes and practices through a blog, online yoga classes and of course this podcast. So if you didn't know, now you know. Since last September I've produced a podcast every month for you but I took a break in April to get some wind under my wings and have a much needed change of scenery after so long staying still. As someone who's lived a previously pretty nomadic lifestyle, it felt very good to get on the road for four weeks and see some other corners of this beautiful island. Thank you to my mama Jo for lending me her camper van, Maggie, and to all my wonderful friends who welcomed me along the way. It's been so good to see people again. I'm back now with renewed energy and inspiration and I'm very excited about this podcast, episode 8, Human Nature. After a little musing on the myths behind the month of May, I'll be chatting with the rapper and musician Disraeli, who I'd usually cross paths with in a field every summer. But as we've had a break from the festivals, it's been great to catch up with him and some of the other familiar faces through this podcast. We'll be talking parenthood, mental health, mindfulness, music and more. I hope you enjoy hearing the conversation as much as I enjoyed having it. But first, a little mythology for you. The month of May was named after the Greek goddess Maya, a mountain nymph and one of the seven Pleiades sisters, the daughters of Atlas and Pleione. Maya was the most beautiful, but also the most shy and reclusive of her sisters. And whilst they bore kings, Maya would give birth to a god, Hermes, the son of Zeus. Zeus's affair with Maya, conducted in her cave on Mount Selene, was successfully kept a secret from his wife and the rest of the gods. Maya gave birth there to Hermes, and shortly afterwards she fell asleep with the newborn. But at only a few hours old, baby Hermes snuck out. The first creature he came across on his travels was a tortoise who he killed and created the first lyre, a small heart from its hollow shell. Pleased but quickly bored, Hermes then made his way to Thessaly where he stole 50 of his brother Apollo's prized cattle. He slaughtered one of the cows to be able to taste meat, not realising that gods couldn't eat the food of mortals. So he burnt the meat for the gods to enjoy the smell of it, making him the inventor of sacrifices. Creeping back into his mother's cave before sunrise, Hermes got back into bed with his sleeping mother, but Apollo managed to track the thief back to her doorstep. Accusing the seemingly helpless day-old baby in his crib of stealing the cattle, Maya was busy arguing that it was impossible Hermes could be the thief, whilst Hermes was quietly stealing Apollo's bow from across his back. Taken by Apollo to Zeus for judgement, Hermes charmed his father easily and was offered a place on Mount Olympus, providing he returned the stolen cows, which he did, and he also gave Apollo his lyre as payment for the one he had slaughtered. 
Preferring Olympus to Maya's secluded cave, Hermes became the patron of thieves and troublemakers and was later worshipped as the Roman god Mercury. Aside from bearing her infamous son, Maya was revered more widely than the other nymphs, recognised for her role as a mother and nurturer. She cared for other children of Zeus, including Arcus, whose mother Callisto had been turned into a bear by Zeus's jealous wife. So he hid Arcus with Maya, who taught him to hunt and survive in the wilderness so well that he grew into a renowned hunter, becoming the king of Arcadia before rejoining his mother as a bear. Maya's star sits in the constellation of Taurus as part of the Pleiades cluster, which was named after her and her sisters. The disappearance of the Pleiades below the horizon marks the end of winter and was used by Roman farmers to judge when to plant the fields, honouring her as the goddess of growth, as well as the nursing goddess of fertility, motherhood and the earth. Maya is also often referred to as Gaia. I'm very happy to finally welcome to the podcast Mr. Rowan Sorde, the rapper and multi-instrumentalist known as Disraeli. I've followed Rowan's career over the years and in 2013 I promoted a show for him and his incredible band The Small Gods. For the last few years he's hosted his brilliant Scan Your Biscuits Soho radio show from the venue I manage at Shambhala Festival, Sankofa's stage. So if you haven't come across Disraeli yet on your travels, I hope you feel inspired to hear more after this interview and one of his latest tracks, which follows straight after this conversation. So we could hear your your babies crying in the background. Screeching down the street, yeah. Resisting Um, sleep and... He's off in the pram. One of the two babies. Wow, so becoming a father of two babies at once. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell's that been? <laughs> um, it's been all of life at once, you know. Um, it's been trauma and joy and um, laughter and ease and obstacles and just everything condensed into every day um yeah it's pretty chilled really (laughs) (laughs) easy yeah Um, i mean we're we're really really blessed here we've got in in bristol we've got a really lush community um of friends and also my family's here as well uh so we've had um so much help from the people around us it's been amazing even during lockdown people were leaving um, soup on our doorstep <laughs> in containers <laughs> um, and yeah and you know making us you know bringing flowers and making us bread and we just yeah we, we ate ate very well for the first few months and so yeah I mean it's been intense but also a reconnection with the community a reconnection mm-hmm. with my family um a blessing in loads of ways and i mean i'm only five and a half months in so what do i know really you know i'm I'm, i've just started so we'll see really maybe the fact that there's two of them 
increasing the perhaps the ability or the need to have others help and turn to them and and and, you know that's like how it would have been done right the village yeah exactly yeah i've got a whatsapp group called the village and i just ask for stuff on it all the time um yeah it's exactly that you can't look after twins on your own really so you have to reach out you have to be in company and uh and also people think oh my god twins i could never do that so they're much more sympathetic and much more likely to want to leave soup on your doorstep so yeah it's good for that a little caveat to whoever's listening is that i've got a stinking cold having socialized for the first time in a long time this weekend so that's why my voice sounds like i have my face pressed into a sandwich it really doesn't sound like that but <laughs> i don't know I, that's, that's what i feel like i feel like my i feel like i'm face planting i like you know that like a really floppy subway mm. you know before before anything did vegetarian sandwiches subway <laughs> used to do these sandwiches which were basically just like salad in a really bad baguette i feel like my face is just pressed into one of them right now oh that yeah that sounds very unpleasant yes yeah, um so the socializing how did how was how did that go what was that like it was great it was so good (laughs) um we played music together and there was someone's birthday and there was cake and drank some beer and yeah banged some drums and it was wicked it was great and the boys were rolling around on the floor with another baby and, and really loving it and that was how that's how I want to do parenting you know I want to be in amongst not boxed off in a little house on a hill you know no I think that is the the best way for everybody babies and grown-ups included so you've been doing a lot of work in mental resilience training tough cookie course which I did a fantastic little taster session Oh, you came to the taste of, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've done my research, and um, the the lockdown conditions of not socialising, and now having kind of gone back out there and seen people again, can mm. you feel? Can you feel that on a physical level? <laughs> I I feel the physical need for community really strongly. Um, I've been feeling it really strongly recently. I'm I'm just like itching for messy human life around me um i don't know i don't know how you break that down on a neuroscientific level on a neurobiological level but i need human mess um i definitely think that my body's become unused to socializing as well so there's been a couple of moments recently when i've been around people you know in the pub garden or whatever and quite quickly feel that threat response being kicked off in my body which already actually as a dad your threat your fight or flight kind of protection your like wolf responses are really readily kicked off anyway like if a if a car comes and like swerves too close to the pram or something like that while i'm pushing the boys around I feel I find myself like having this flash of a fantasy about chasing the van and dragging the driver out, beating him down, you know, 
I'm like, bloody hell, where did that come from? You know, like, there's, this, there's this like chest beating wild thing in me that's like, get the fuck away from my babies. Um, so yeah, I'm feeling that. I don't know if that's anything to do with lockdown. That, that I feel that too. I'm a bit over six months pregnant and I did it, fulfilled my biological destiny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I'm definitely way more physically sensitive and hypervigilant mm. than I already generally am, yeah. which um, can feel a little bit like uh, being on a small amount of drugs where you're so sensitive to everything around you. It's like, yeah, <laughs> you know, you're just super aware of yeah, all so the threats. True. But or yeah. equally, you notice more, like, not necessarily yeah. threats. Yeah, I, I relate to that so much. I, I've never been pregnant, obviously, but um, when my partner was pregnant, I think it's partly a psychological thing of coming up to that like, monumental moment of becoming a parent. I noticed so intensely and was so very alive, you know, um, yeah really like really sensitive to emotional sort of surges I, I, I felt very emotional and very very plugged into the world and the fact of being alive in it you know and it does all kinds of things to your perspective as well doesn't it it's like mm. wow i'm bringing my child into this um and there's it's big oh my word yeah and you know look like look at the world we're bringing children into hmm. um, i think it it could either make you sort of retreat into a bubble of domesticity which is definitely like, i can really see why people do they're like ah fuck the world i'm just gonna be a parent now hmm. or it can like really radicalize you and be like right i'm a parent I am making sure I do the very most I can um, to make this place habitable for my babies, you know. Yeah, I had a little exchange about a year ago with a very old friend who um, we were both saying like, oh, definitely, you know, I would definitely like to have kids one day, but oh, all the angst, God, you know, yeah. all the various levels of of angst and climate kind of anxiety yeah. and he just put it so brilliantly um just that I want to give another being a chance to experience this like actually life is incredible and who am I to, to you know decide that that it's not it's not good enough to you know, it's not safe enough to bring something, a new person into. Um, yeah. So even yeah. if they just get 30, 40 years to eat and yeah. drink and dance and have sex and read and all the things that like make being human what it is, then that's, that's a pretty great gift you can give. Yeah. Yeah. I, I uh, that resonates when I look at my boys and see them just tripping out on the shadow on the wall or having like bursting into fits of giggles at some kind of 
something you can't possibly even fathom that in your face, you know. And yeah. bloody hell, we did it twice, you know. We were only going to have one baby, but we've, we've given the gift twice. Yeah, and to be a twin must be brilliant. Yeah, I think it probably is, yeah. At the moment, they don't really see each other. They, the, the other one is, you know, one is just kind of furniture to the other. Yeah. Um, they, they'll, they'll recognise other faces and other people. But if you hold Paco up in front of Idris in general, they won't even register that there is anything there at all. Which is quite mad. They don't. They're not separate, are they? They're not separate yeah. from anything yet. But they're even less separate from each other. Like they, they, they see me and they respond to me as, as a baby does a person, you know. Um, but they don't respond to each other in that way. They're kind of they're right. They're just inevitable to each other. <laughs> and they've been there them since the moment they were conceived. Yeah. So, so tell me what? How did you end up teaching this? the emotional resilience tough cookie course so i um i had some mental health wobbles of my own a few years ago and um went on a whole journey with my own uh self-knowledge i guess and my own ability to cope um i had therapy i did a lot of group therapy as well and i discovered mindfulness and it changed my life completely. Um, all, all of the above changed my life completely. The fact of falling apart, the fact of putting myself back together again or being put back together again with the help of people around me. Um, all of it changed my life. And so when lockdown came last year, I was thinking about the ways I could be useful because I could see that it was a time in which a lot of people were very afraid. Um, just kind of hard to remember now how just how scary it was at the start when it was like global pandemic you know people queuing around the street down the street for the supermarket and everything felt so apocalyptic and that's kind of worn off hasn't it like the immediacy of that it's just like ah it's just a pandemic we're just in a pandemic still you know <laughs> we get so used to things so quickly but we were so with it, there was such a lot of fear and um and also specifically in my world in the field of music um so many people just losing everything uh all, all possibility of earning money yourself included i'm assuming. yeah myself included yeah yeah um so i started offering free mindfulness sessions on my facebook page Israeli Facebook page um, they went down pretty well like people said they were very helpful so I continued to do them and someone came to one of them that was from a company called Tough Cookie um, mm. that do mental resilience training which is sort of skills to manage your thoughts and emotions um, with a lot of mindfulness woven in and the founder got in touch and was like would you like to um, train to be a trainer Amazing. and I was there going you know even before the lockdown even before the pandemic I was like I would really like to do something to do with mental health I'd really like to work on my skills as a mindfulness teacher as a meditation teacher I really like to understand my mental health and other people's better um, and I also need a more stable income in my life 
than gigging because I'm going to have a baby, I thought at that time, <laughs> before it became two in the first scan. So, yeah, that's that's how it started. Um, and I was like, yeah, this is just pure providence. I, this is exactly what I want, exactly what I want and exactly what I need at this time. And it is an amazing... It's basically the conversation with the elder that we never had when we were growing up. The kind of coming of age conversation where in a better world, someone would have sat us down and gone, here's how it works. You have a mind. Here's what the mind consists of. Here's how the mind functions. Here's what to do when the mind drags you backwards through a thorny bush. You know, how how to interface with this mind that is our interface with everything else so that's what the tough cookie mixed mental arts program is is like the premise of it is a course that gives us the tools that we need to navigate the modern world specifically this world of insanity and overstimulation and over narrative over self-reference um, there's so much about the like collapse. There's so much about the world, volatility, so much about it that is ho- actively hostile to our mental health, including, you know, I've, I've just been uh, digging into social media platforms and how they work. You know, we we live our lives, a lot of us, a, a portion of our day every day, some of us a very big portion via platforms that are specifically designed to drag at and suck at our attention our ability to think clearly designed to manipulate our desires and what we think we need um, designed to keep us in our self-referential thoughts comparison worry because those are the things that sell and those are the things that like click us further down into the wormhole and is that um because our minds are are sort of designed to do that, that that we're kind of out there to protect ourselves, to consider ourselves at the centre of everything. Is that? I think, I think, well, I think it is the impression I get from reading the neuroscience and the evolutionary biology and stuff, um, the little bits I've I've come across through this process. I mean, I've just scratched the surface. It's such a huge world. Um, but the impression I get is that those parts of ourselves are a programmed, you know, it's not programmed, we're not computers, but they are intrinsic parts of us. But so is cooperation. So is joy, connection, ability to um, employ our imaginations to entertain each other and create binding myths that make um make that cooperation more possible and more and more probable so do yeah i mean that there, there, there's this idea which which i think works really well with um the, the ideals of free market capitalism right we're all individuals by nature we're like red in tooth and claw um competition is natural uh, and it's our, it is our natural state that idea is really baked into us. It's like, well, actually, you know, nature's a horrible place to be. If you actually look at what's going on in nature, there's as much cooperation in, you know, in the in the animal kingdom or however you want to put it. There's as much cooperation as there is competition. There's as much symbiosis as there is predation, you know. 
Um, and that's a really, really important part of us as well. And it's more just that there's a whole world of psychology devoted to understanding human behavior, understanding humans as consumers um, and how to exploit humans as consumers, how to further push us into that paradigm of competition, um, the separated individual, you know, the myth of our division, because it is a myth. We are not divided. We we live in collaboration and cooperation. How else do we build our societies? You know. Um, so this idea that we're all kind of little lonely atoms spinning in the void is um, is a very very harmful myth for us, um, and it's a very very useful myth for an advertising company that wishes to sell us things to make us feel satisfied in a world that doesn't satisfy us. Mm. That was a long ramble. I'm not even sure if I answered your question at all. That was that was that was great ramble. Really enjoyed that one. Um, and I think you answered <laughs> you answered it and more. Um, I think one of the things that really caught my attention in the in the taster course um, when you're talking about anxiety and, and depression and how our our minds are more prone to feel those emotions because mm. we're our minds are designed to sense threats so we're more yeah so um yeah in terms of what i've learned from the course i'm, I'm going to try and not do a eight minute ramble about <laughs> it but there's there's this um this idea that we have uh, negativity bias and impact bias and negativity bias and impact bias were both designed to uh, are both evolved tendencies to keep us safe in a predator prey context right so negativity bias basically means that we focus on the problem um, impact bias basically means we imagine the worst case scenario um, focusing on the problem meant that in the context of a I don't know, a forest full of wild beasts. If we focused on the rustling in the bush um, as a problem and imagined that it was a bear, we'd be more likely to survive, to survive in the case that it was a bear and to therefore, you know, those of our predecessors um, that had that tendency were, were the ones that became our ancestors. Um, and so we've, we've evolved with that tendency baked into us focus on the worst and um, focus on the problem imagine the worst case scenario um but that is particularly related to a particular network of the brain called the default mode network and the default mode network is a network that comes online when we're in storytelling mind wandering mode right when we're when we're thinking about our um, our place in the world who we are where we're going who we like who we don't like uh, it's kind of how we orient ourselves in the narrative of our lives and the narrative of the wider world around us, right? So default mode narrative, uh, default mode network, super important. Um, and there's another network called the task positive network. And the task positive network is the network, our neural network that is uh, online when we are focused on the sensory here and now. Basically, when we're present to our lives, when we're actually living our sensory actual felt experience right so the default mode network it is a real thing impact bias negativity bias is a real thing it's just one of two really distinct 
um, neural networks that we can be plugged into. And the way that the modern world works, social media, all of the things that, um, you know, advertising, uh, the way that we live very cerebral uh, lives, or at least, you know, a portion of our, the population of the world does, including me, means that the default mode network is being prodded all the time, basically. So it's the, rather than the task positive network being brought online, which is an option, the default mode network, the part of us that deals in narrative, self-referential thoughts, all that stuff. Self-referential thoughts. I mean, you know, Instagram is basically like a, an extravaganza of the default mode network. Self-referential thoughts are the, the currency of social media. Like, who are you? Who likes you? Who do you like? What do you like? Who don't you like? Um, yeah, narrative. So when we're in the default mode network, yeah, we're very much prey to our negativity bias um, and impact bias, those kind of evolved, um, those evolved capacities to focus on the problem and, and avoid it. Um, but we could also be in our task positive network, which is actually our day to day, moment to moment life. And that's where life is. It's all life has ever been. You know, we need both, but we, it needs to be a dance between those two rather than this constant whirlwind of default mode negativity stuff. What about music making? Because, you know, you you write your music and you yeah. and you play it. And I wonder if there's a dance there. There's there's self-referential default mode network going on surely to i don't know be inspired to come up with the ideas and then when you're actually playing the music are you in task positive mode do those interact do you think that's a really interesting question um i think that a task positive network is is, is also described as flow state right so there's this kind of presence in the sensory here and now um I'd say, like, reflecting on it for me, when I'm making music, when I'm really in and it's really happening, I would say that I am really deeply in, in task positive network, in that flow state. But then I'm, I'm also often writing stories and coming up with narratives. And so may, maybe, maybe freestyle rapping is the absolute, like pinnacle of the dance between default mode network and task positive network maybe that's it guys <laughs> cracked it yeah, cracked it. <laughs> yeah. everyone just needs um, to bust a rhyme and they'll be fine <laughs> and and how do you think your your sort of moves into mindfulness um your own practice and also mm. then learning more and becoming a teacher of it um has that changed your music making um, process? Yes, definitely. Uh, I think the main thing that it's done for me is I, that there's like a really pervasive myth in the world of music that you have to be troubled and like psychologically entangled and overcome in order to be inspired to make music like somehow the music comes out of the friction in our minds 
And um, that's one thing that mindfulness has given me, a huge gift that it's given me, is realising that actually if you take that friction out, if you learn how to know yourself and unclench and be aligned between who you are internally and who you present yourself to be and all the good stuff that comes from self-knowledge, you know, which is what mindfulness has, has helped me to find some of, for sure. Then you have access to all the universe's creation, you know, not just your own little tangled darkness, but everything. And there is so much, there's so much detail and majesty around us all the time. There's so much possibility like in every cell of all of our bodies. And if you can unclench for a moment and take your head from out of that dark cave of yourself, then it's there for us. And so it's given me a much more spacious feeling, I think, about creativity. Um, yeah. Yeah, that I'd say that's really reflected in the music. I, I mean, I was very lucky to get to come to your actual gig in real life just before we went into the second lockdown in November. Oh, yeah, the Round Chapel in Hackney. And it was, yeah, it was such a special show, I thought, from oh. from the audience perspective. Um, yeah. And there was a lot of space there, actually, and having come to your gigs for, God, literally, <laughs> I reckon 13 years, maybe, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, that sounds about right, yeah. I think maybe I was 17, it was Bad Science, the first gig that I came to. Yeah, that's 13 years. Well, our, the last Bad Science gig was 13 years ago, so it must have uh, been. Yeah, it was Brighton, Hector's house, I think that was the uh -huh. first time. Anyway, um, <laughs> I've seen a lot of incarnations and styles in projects from your mm. musical output and over the years, and, and there felt it really felt like there was a lot of space within mm. this show and this repertoire. And it was beautiful and it gave... Which was which felt different, did it, from before? Yeah, yeah, it did. It felt yeah. um, less hurried, less kind of busy and crammed in, perhaps mm. the state of your, of your mind where there was room for all this incredible musicianship and, you know, the musicians you had playing with you were all totally top of their game amazing yeah. artists and yeah. um and I felt we got to see a lot of them and a lot of you being relaxed into your music <laughs> yeah oh I'm so glad that's really nice to hear yeah how was that gig for you out of interest as a client could be completely the opposite experience for you just the, the pure sex it was just like <laughs> pure sensory presence you know it was flipping lush especially after being uh being i was gonna say being deprived of that i don't feel deprived in any way but um ha not not being able to have that for a time um just meant that oh yeah just every note of it was like treacle you know 
Uh, it was wicked. Yeah, and and also the knowledge that we might be going back into lockdown and um, to snatch that out of the yeah. from the jaws of lockdown was amazing. Yeah, and um, props to Joe Bursky for taking that risk and doing props it. Props to Joe for going for it. Yeah. 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 Um, All socially distanced, guys, just so everybody understands that. Oh, yes. Music. What's yeah? What are your what are your next musical plans? So I'm following the joy at the moment. Um, I'm playing with some some amazing jazz musicians from London. Been collaborating with them, guys from some of my favourite bands. Uh, so we are making. I don't know what we're doing. What are we <laughs> doing? We're making so much music. We're playing um, like collaboration and improvisation games. We're on, our, we're on our third round of that and we've written like 36 tunes. Wow. So there's loads of stuff that's bubbling. And, and, and another collaboration with another group has just started with and with some of the guys I was playing with at Round Chapel. So lots of collaboration. This year is the year of collaboration and delegation. I'm not going to sit on social media anymore. I'm not going to be a, an arts administrator anymore. I'm going to make music with all the urgency that I need to. Um, I'm teaching this course. I'm going to be playing a very small number of festivals this summer. I think I've got four gigs, five gigs this summer. Um, only three of them are festivals. Yeah, and, and the summer would normally be between 20 and 30 festivals. So that's very, very chilled out summer. And just released the Unmaster Remix LP on beautiful eco pink vinyl um, with recycled plastics. Um, that's gorgeous. Also very much collaborations that features Danalog from The Comet Is Coming, Alabaster de Plume, um, Tom Excel from Nubian Twist, Spoke Mathambo, like loads of delicious. Uh, Mikey for snapped ankles yeah lo loads of gorgeous people so that that's yeah it's it's all about collaboration it's all about human connection this year um, and I'm just going to be learning how to be a dad yeah that means to me you know yeah so quite a quite a lot uh, going on but it's all good stuff and it sounds like you've you're being very clear about what not to carry on with, which I personally have found to be a crucial step in oh, starting idea. to do the things that I do want to spend my time doing. Um, yeah. hard, hard being a yes person and learning to yeah. say no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, totally counterintuitive, isn't it? It's great to hear that, like, the joy and the and the pleasure and the novelty is really there and I definitely find that you know as someone who's been to a million festivals promoted tons of shows to actually be loving it because yeah. it and now a bit less of a frequent affair is yeah I'm grateful to, to have that actually a bit of novelty back yeah appreciation yeah exactly. And becoming a parent is really good for that kind of perspective as well. Like, 
appreciation for for those moments and also um, clarity on what it is you do and don't want Mm. Um, and also like the other thing I didn't say is that you know we're in the middle of a climate breakdown and I really want to engage with that this year and do whatever I can to um, to avert it to avert the worst Um, that's what I that's a huge priority for me as well yeah no I feel that too what with the looming parenthood um but yeah well on that note um thank you for taking the time out from your all your projects and fathering to speak to me be on the podcast which i'm so happy you were wanting to be a part of thank you so much i've been loving listening to it i listened to your podcast in the bath hey yes (laughs) <laughs> good place to listen to it it's a good bath podcast it's a bath cast <laughs> great yeah i'm gonna rebrand it um <laughs> thanks bowen i'm gonna let you go and um right, great to speak to you have to do this now now Quicku. But it makes some peace Puts a smile on the face of freaks And it releases from the closet those afraid to breathe And now we're wading in an army up against the stream Cause we have seen that there is insufficient day to dream One minute son eats deep up in the make-believe Next minute mummy's kneeling at his grave to grieve Too cruel We are cruel and we're angels We kill life and give life with the movement of the arms 
chase dragons in the crucible of St. Paul's Topple statues in a revolutionary march by the muddy river Then we chuck him in My kids will not grow up looking up at him My kids will not grow up in the ways I did Watching white mates morphing into racist pricks Never, never The muddy river raising up I race a rhythm and a bass line in praise of us I raise my kids in a toast to the courageous ones Who kill the devil with a hundred million paper cuts Singing a change will come In the course of all this craziness I see my mates parade like they were made for this And they grew up facing shits that I never faced And still turning up the temperature for better days Still they're turning up and tracing out the blueprints For new ways and new architecture New movements for new stages And you could celebrate the dawn Instead of panicking and sellotaping doors shut Instead of gazing gormless at the gold frame Stories of the slave made empire that decorate your walls We celebrate the dawn we break them ornaments, we work making structures that we never made before. I see my children standing with us at this river, so I work until the water comes and elevates us all. My old man said the better time is coming. My old man said the better time is coming. My old man said the better time is coming. My old man said the better time is coming. My old man said the better time is coming. You just heard this song, Beiko Mliba, A Time Is Coming, by Tung Fu, featuring Disraeli and KOG, from the album Boat Building, which came out in November. You can find the track and links to the rest of Disraeli's music and social media pages, as well as info about his next Tough Cookie Mixed Mental Arts course, which starts June the 21st, on the blogcast at balancegarden.co.uk. A lot can happen in a day, a week, a month, let alone a year. As we approach another summer in a world that may be unrecognisable in many ways, it might seem hard to see the path ahead, but it goes on, as sure as the buds bloom and the young leaves dance on the wind once again. Sometimes some things need tearing down to make space for new stories, new seeds to grow. And it can be scary when old structures collapse and walls fall down. It can be loud and it can be violent, but so can silence. Fear and love are not so far from one another. The opposite of love isn't hate, it's indifference. And we don't love or fear what we're indifferent to. Fear and the many forms of anxiety it might cause for us is part of our evolutionary existence. And the threats we face will continue to evolve, but so will we. And the more of us there are, the more complex our lives become, the more cooperation we will need to survive. It can be hard not to focus on the problem, 
but it is perhaps comforting to know that this is a habit which can keep us alive. So whether the threat is existential or real, why not use the fear to find a solution, a new direction, a better understanding of ourselves, our environments and each other. And then remember to come back into the world, to the here and now, and use the space, the inspiration, the understanding to make it a better place to be, or simply to find more ease and joy in just being in it. Here is a poem called The Peace of Wild Things by Wendell Berry, of which there is a beautiful animated version that I've shared in the broadcast. When despair for the world grows in me, and I wake in the night at the least sound, in fear of what my life and my children's lives may be, I go and lie down where the wood drake rests in his beauty on the water, and the great heron feeds. I come into the peace of wild things, who do not tax their lives with forethought of grief. I come into the presence of still water, and I feel above me the day-blind stars waiting with their light. For a time, I rest in the grace of the world, and am free. Thank you for listening to the Balanced Garden podcast, which is written and produced by me, Tiger Lily Raphael, and co-produced by me, Jasmine Pradhan. Thank you to our guests. You can find pictures of them and links to everything featured in this episode, as always, in the blogcast at balancegarden.co.uk, including the soundtrack, Yes Mike, from the Manasseh Meets Praise LP, produced by my father, Nick Manasseh, and licensed by Roots Garden Records. I hope you found this month's podcast helpful, and if you'd like to, you can support it while supporting yourself with online yoga classes or through our Patreon page. I'll be back next month, so until then, live well and enjoy. Balanced Garden is a well-living space that bridges the world inside and outside. We offer seasonal reflections, recipes and practices through a podcast, blog, yoga and meditation to support healthy relationships with our bodies, minds, each other, nature and all the spaces in between.